Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Montoya. What's going on, brother? How's everything going? You're on mute. That's the only way we can start the show, is when uh, Gabriel's on mute. (laughs) Well, we got a lot of stuff here to talk about here on Leaving the Ring anyways. Uh, Manny Pacquiao just fought this uh, past Saturday on the ESPN Plus app against Lucas Matisse. Uh, I'm going to wait for Gabriel to come on here. Gabriel, you are there, right? Oh, I see what he's trying to do. We, we're in a big rush to get on the show. I'm rushing. Can you hear me now? To get, yeah, I can hear you now. Absolutely. Sweet. All right. Yeah, I was so we, switching from the phone to the microphone, trying to make it sure it sounds good. To answer your question, I'm doing great, man. I closed my show Saturday. At, uh, it's about an eight-month journey of uh, putting that play up and, and – it's super depressing, and uh, the play was uh, it was really good, but it was super depressing. I played uh, two characters that like lost every family member that they ever had. So uh, it's nice to be uh, you know getting ready to go to Burning Man and uh, enjoy the summer. And uh, this fight schedule coming down the stretch here, man, uh, it's pretty awesome. This last weekend, a lot of great fights, and this weekend we got some great fights. So uh, you know, it's to be back in the saddle there after a little uh, hiatus that we took for a few weeks. How you doing? Yeah, you. Good, man. I'm doing really good. Got back from vacation, went up to SoCal, took the family out there, um, enjoyed the amusement park, uh, enjoyed enjoyed the, the hot, scorching sun that um, didn't give us a break, uh, just small breezes here and there, up in uh, Buena Park, and then, and then we went down to uh, Valencia. So um, even in San Jose, went down to San Jose to a concert, and it was still hot. But other than that, it's been really good. I see, you know, I, I see the complaints from fight fans about the ESPN uh, Plus app. Um, obviously, they're still trying to figure out the bugs in it, and the streaming is not, you know, it's not excellent, but it's still, it's still to me, it's still usable. You know, um, I mean, you can make to, everybody happy. I, I, I don't. I don't consider myself super technically, you know, uh, technologically advanced. I mean, I, I like virtual reality stuff, but I've got, I don't have like the, the super crazy one. I've got like the gear VR. Um, and I've been online for a long time. I've been a cord cutter for a long time. I, I really don't understand why guys are having such a hard time other than like the website's a little bit hard to navigate in terms of like, if I, I'm looking for a replay, sometimes it's a little bit tough, but I just type it into the search engine and there it is. I, I don't get it. I mean, do you have any trouble with it? Because I have YouTube TV, which is how I get my ESPN, and then that's how I get my ESPN Plus. You know, I pay for the extra service. It's just a tab right there. and You know, I don't, I don't have get any it. problems using it. I'm going to tell you this, okay? Uh, went to a concert in San Jose, California, to go see it was an old-school freestyle, like Stevie B and, you know, George Lamont, all these old-school uh, performers that were back in the 90s, and it was great. It was a great concert. And with the performers that I wasn't really into, I really didn't care about, um, I was able to (laughs) 
pull out my phone out of my pocket, <laughs> click onto the ESPN Plus where it says watch, and I was able to watch, uh, you know, here and there fights that were going on, including the main event. Um, so I don't have a big problem with it, but I do understand the consumer's concern or the complaint of I already have cable. I'm already paying for an XXX on certain things. This is just an added fee, you know, and, and you know what? Myself being that, you know, when you're a blue collar guy, every penny, every dollar counts. And I completely understand the 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 fury of, of certain fight fans that are complaining about this app, paying for it, you know. Um, because as simple as we are, we are fight fans. We work, some of us work 40 hours plus. Some of us work under the sun all day. And our main goal is to provide for our families. Our main goal is to make sure there's food, electricity, water, everything that's a necessity for if you have kids, for them to have, you have your wife, for her to have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That you, you, you kind of want to show up home on a Friday or Saturday for something very simple, something that's not going to take too much of your time. So I understand that need where, hey, you just want to be able to sit down, crack open a nice cold beer, have some chips and some salsa and click tv and you know be able to scroll down or if you have it on a reminder and that's all i understand that if you have a 70 inch plus tv that you've just spent a shitload of money and now you can't see the fight on there unless you have a fire stick or you have something else uh you know um apple tv i don't even think if it works i don't think it works with apple tv but i know it works with fire stick but I see the complaint there where some fans are like, I don't want to watch the fight on my phone. I want to watch it on a big, big screen TV. I want to feel like I'm at the event. So those things I understand. But if you are a fight fan that comes from the era of where we come from, which is you took whatever was thrown at you because it wasn't much. Remember this, before the Internet, the only resources that we had to keep up with the sport is magazines and you know, whatever was thrown on HBO or Showtime. And Showtime at the time was not throwing a whole lot of fights. And the quality of the, of, of, of the fights, uh, meaning visually, was not, was not up to par in terms of HBO's quality. So maybe I'm just not that resistant of what's the change. I've expected the change. I'm embracing the change. And, but I know that it's a hard transition for other fight fans to, go, to get there, to meet me there. But trust me. If you're as busy as I am and you understand that you have to work weekends sometimes, this is something that's going to make your life a bit easier. Yes, it's not, at, you know, I mean, it is at your fingertips, but you still got to figure out how to get to it sometimes. But once you do, once you're able to get over that hump, trust me, love with this app. Now, I don't have cable no more, Gabriel. I got rid of it. Why? Because my kids are normally on the Xbox 24-7. The only thing they watch is either uh, Twitch or they're playing video games or YouTube. Uh, right. Same thing with the wife. The wife has certain shows. She watches. She can watch it online. Myself, I don't watch a whole lot of TVs. I watch what the wife watches unless it's boxing. So there was no need of me spending 170 plus on something that was not being utilized. And that's why we got rid of it. And I'm happy with the service that I'm receiving now when it comes to apps, $10, $5, you know, 40 bucks for uh, Hulu or whatever, you know, uh, 11 something for Netflix. Trust me, I'm even thinking of getting rid of Netflix because it doesn't provide actually actual stuff that I actually tune in to watch. So 
in that page there, I'm satisfied. But I understand if you're still paying for cable because you have football, whatever it is that you're watching that you need it or your family needs, it is a big, it is a big strain to your wallet. I understand that. Yeah, I, I, that part I get. The, you know, and I, I've seen, to me, one of the weirdest ad campaigns or you know, promoter interacting with, with fight fans uh, I, th- these interactions are so negative. I'll give you the five bucks, you know? Oh, dude, I'm sorry that it's like $60 a year or whatever, you know? Uh, if you're that poor, maybe you should, you know, should save your money, you know? Just like rude comments to fans who are like, understandably, have been you gouged know, more than any right. other sports fan. Uh, and you know what, you know? though? The, the fight fans that are complaining are normally the ones that don't even pay anyways. And the marketers that, that – or the developers of this app, the ESPN Plus, they understand that. I mean, here's, here's the thing, what people have to understand. The app was not solely created for boxing fans. So you're bitching and moaning about basketball fans that actually buy the app or football fans or any other fans that are buying this app to have the service right in hand. So, you know, I get the frustration – I understand that, you know, I, you know, the whole like, oh, I already paid for this. What am I going to pay more for that? Five dollar thing. But I also don't want to uh, uh, discriminate to those that really can't afford the five dollars, you know. So I do have a, a, a soft spot for them if you really can. If you're if you're trying to stretch every single dollar, which let's be honest, our economy has been doing better, but it hasn't been booming. We're not at this this great pivot of where we could say that, oh, we're skyrocketing. Everybody's got a, you know, 50,000 plus K job, you know, we're not there yet. So I still understand there's folks that are still, you know, scrambling to try to pay, to try to pay ends meet, trying to get certain things done. They're paying for, for, like I said, their cable bill is not just for them solely. It's probably for everybody that's in the home. So I get mm-hmm. that. But, but at the same time, um, ESPN plus, it's not just solely trying to service the hardcore boxing fans. They understand they put wrestling, they put, they, I mean, there's a lot of content on there. There is. And it's, it's a way of bringing Old another fights. fan in. Yeah. It's another way yeah. of bringing an, another fight fan in to watch it, who's willing to pay it. See, they're going to cater to who's willing to pay. And that's what fight fans need to understand. They, like, even with the zone, they're catering to people that are willing to pay. Bottom line. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Well, it was interesting. Somebody else reached out, um, and uh, and actually, one of our listeners, uh, Paul De Lozier, I believe I'm hope I'm saying that name right. Uh, he says I watch ESPN Plus on Apple TV. I mean, I think there's a certain segment of of people, and I've always felt, you know, I think this is true that that boxing and boxing fans have always been on the cutting edge of technology. Watching streams, you know, I watched like you know tri- Triple G versus Uma, uh, you know, on a stream that showed a fight in Panama. You know, um, we've been doing this all for years. And so that when people start complaining, oh, the stream isn't as quality, I'm like, you know, it, it's better than when it cuts out or pop-ups come up. And, you know, uh, some of the streams I've experienced over the years watching fights on the, you know, radio, as it, as it were. Um, but I, I do understand that feeling of, uh, of having to shell out a little bit more. But at the same time, like somebody was saying to me, uh, you know, and I – they were saying like Joe Tessitore comes off like a shill for top rank. And I don't think what people are really understanding is that, look, ESPN was losing subscribers. They were bleeding subscribers, hundreds of thousands. Um, they needed to do something. They've made this move. They started picking up more boxing. 
uh, it started, people started to like it. So then they went with more uh, and they made this deal with top rank. And now they've done the, the ESPN plus app and they're going to start adding more and more content. And, you know, uh, if you're looking for journalistic integrity from an announcer on TV, like you're looking in the wrong place. That's not Joe Tessitore's job. He's a blow by blow announcer. Uh, you know, Mark Kreigel is, and I kind of got what I wished for. Um, you know, I wanted a reporter at ringside and Mark is a reporter. Uh, he drones on way too long. Uh, and I'm an expert in that. So I would know. Um, and I think he let, she let Tim Bradley talk a little bit more instead of pretending like he's the expert because he covers the beat. Uh, like, you know, he was actually saying like, no one knows how hard Pacquiao, you know, what those punches feel like. And Tim Bradley's like, uh, I do. Uh, I fought <laughs> the guy multiple times, uh, and actually got a decision over him and been knocked down by him. And, oh, that's right. You know, and, and all the constant like Kellerman esque comparisons to, you know, Regis Progre, you know, oh, he, he fights like all these legends and, Oh my God, you know, he's just terrible. But what they're trying to do is build a new audience. They're not there for the hardcore fans. I mean, they're hoping that we come and do what boxing fans do, which is bring friends. Uh, but at the same time, they're trying to, you know, appeal to that, that mobile uh, phone using audience that don't mind watching things on their phone. I mean, I, I did it a little bit this weekend. I, w- I was pretty focused in on my show, but through the course of the run and the, and the play I just did right before that, um, I was pretty stoked to have all the different apps, the Showtime app, the ESPN app, uh, so that I could watch some fights, you know, off my laptop uh, or my phone as I'm hanging around the theater waiting to do do what I do. You know, it's, it is it is for those people on the go. So I, I just think people need to, if, you know, if they're going to get us at five bucks at a time, but we're not getting that many pay-per-views this year, um, I think that's a great trade-off. I don't think that's a big problem at all. I mean, how many pay-per-views are we going to get yep. this year? One. Yeah. Uh, how refreshing one. is that? It is. It is. You know, we're getting one. And and this is where, this is, you know, think about this. Three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, we were getting so many pay-per-views that the fans, including ourselves, were complaining about this. Like, oh, my God, here's another some were some guys were trying to cut the, the the cost of it by being thirty dollars, but still, you know, we had a we had literally had a struggle about okay, which ones are we going to pay for? Are we going to pay for this fight for sixty bucks? I mean, let's not forget, hundred bucks for Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather, which I didn't pay for, but you you know, yeah, I luckily didn't either. You know, we we could either stay in that era where we paid at least every two months. 60 bucks for a fight that we knew the outcome of, or we pay $5 and maybe even $10 with the zone. And we actually get more fights, undercard fights, better fights because they're not more of a Microsoft. Now, yeah, you know, you're going to get some fights that are not even worth it. There was some fights on ESPN plus that didn't live up to it, but it's just like, it's like everything. Um, if you may have two good names or you may have one good name, but the other one doesn't show up or the the name, the name person doesn't show up. So it's really, it's really on the, the, the performer, the entertainer, the guy that's going in. It's not really the app that's giving you the crap fights, you know, but anyways, let's, uh, let's get into the fights here. Let's talk about the fights that happened uh, this past Saturday and the week before that. Um, let me ask you, what did you think about uh, San Jose Andy Vince's uh, performance? 
I think, you know, and I've watched Andy uh, since he first watched into, we first started training at Undisputed several years ago out in San Carlos and then uh, moved from there over to the snack gym. Um, I think Andy is a really hard worker. I, I've, I've documented his workouts and, and his training over the years in development um, as he's gone to, from one trainer to, a, to his current trainer um, and bought more and more into the snack system. Uh, you know, they get their guys in great shape. You know, I'll, I'll give them that. Um, it's, and I think the guys get very, you know, really smart about supplementation and, and nutrition and hydration, all that stuff's great. But, you know, under the lights, uh, Andy thinks too much. I think, I think he's in there worrying about a perfect performance and I don't want to put thoughts in his head, but I'm just, you know, what I'm observing versus, and, and maybe this is an, another thing that he does. He writes big checks in the media. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And like a lot of fighters do, but I, you know, I, I think of him as a, as a pretty thoughtful guy. Um, and you know, we've talked like extensively and, and uh, some of, you know, I guess a little biased or, or I've just cut him. I don't know. But when I watch him, I just, he doesn't like kick into that gear where he just lets it all go. And, you know, when you step up to it, Eric DeLeon, uh, you step up in, in these fights to that level where it's like, show me now. I'm not seeing him kick into that. Let's entertain everybody gear. Like Teofimo Lopez, who we'll talk about, everybody's very high on him because it's clear that entertaining is what he's about. And not everybody has that. But with Andy, it's like, I almost feel like he's doing the wrong style. Like he's trying to be a boxer, but maybe he'd be better off imposing his strength and will on people and just, just hammering them out of there. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. He seems kind of, you know, uh, stuck between this Vita Blue and his Catfish Hunter, like uh, that kid, the Bad News Bears, you know? It's like he's just in there kind of thinking. And, and, you know, he's had a few fights with this trainer. Maybe they're still smoothing that out, uh, you know, get, getting him into a different gear. But that's what I want to see from him is, is, is a little bit more go for broke instead of trying to be perfect. You know, I said that it, I, I, we were talking off the air and we were discussing about Andy and um, I I had said on – on Twitter was that he's topped his ceiling, in my opinion. What you see is what you're always going to get from Andy. Um, I agree with you 100% in terms of kind of overthinks his position, um, doesn't let his hands go. He's trying to be, trying to you know be a boxer, then rather than being who he naturally who he is, you know. Uh, sometimes when you get a fighter. And they're naturally more of a guy that's aggressive and comes out and should. Um, if, the, if the athleticism isn't there to be this defense guy, to, to be this counterpuncher, or to be this classic boxer, and he's more of a rugged style, come forward, throw a large amount of volume of punches, then a lot of times it's just better to keep him that way. Just kind of tweak it. You know, give him head movement. Um, teach him how to have some resting points so that he can continue to throw punches in every single round. He's got to be that continuous workhorse. We see a guy that that literally didn't have any adjustment towards his opponent. He did the exact same things over and over, and he was getting caught over and over on the same punches. Um, I've said to you, I think that Andy needs to become a Robert Guerrero, uh, 2.0 uh, Robert Guerrero. You know, where Robert, who truly started as a finesse boxer and his lighter career as an amateur and when he turned pro he wasn't getting he wasn't receiving the 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 love from the fans turned into a brawler he used this his size he used his more his more aggressive style to capture the eyes and ears of fans 
To me, that's where Andy's got to fall back at. You know, but it might be too late. Because to me, he looked confused in there. He didn't know how to, to just react, you know, because he was so, he's been so used to being told how to behave now. You know, that, that do things the perfect way, do things the right way, which we always want them to do. But, but like I said, if you don't have that athleticism, if you don't, if you don't have that, it's just, it's just better to just throw what you do have. Be good at who you really are. You know, you can have all the testings, you can have all the, you know, the science behind you, behind you which he does. But those don't necessarily win fights. Those don't necessarily make fans want to come back and see you again. Conditioning-wise, the guy's up to par. You can't, you can't beat him on that. You know, There's no question. He's in great yeah, shape. Yeah, great shape. You could see it. But when it comes to turning it on and, and just being himself, I see an Andy struggling, struggling. And for him to carry the name of a shark, um, I didn't see much of uh, Friends when, when he saw blood. Didn't see any of that. What do you think about him and uh, and uh, Ryan Garcia? I've seen that been thrown out a lot. You know, a lot of folks saying uh, they like to see Andy against Ryan Garcia, the Southern California kid. I would like to see that fight because I think we talked about this off air. Um, that might be a step too far too soon for Ryan. You know, uh, I think Andy's a pretty durable guy. Maybe he can be outboxed, but I think you could get Ryan into spots where he can make him uncomfortable. Uh, getting in close, roughing him up a bit. But again, it would have to be, you know, I don't think Andy could come in thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to overwhelm him, you know, uh, with my experience and that I'm at a higher level than he is. I think you'd have to go in there and punch the kid in the mouth right off the bat, take away his speed, you know, just really get after him. I, you I know, think that's I, the key I, with that kid. I, in, the, in the beginning, I was like, I think he's, a, I think Andy's experience is a bit too much for Ryan, but now that I sit back and I had the time to really think about it, the way the way Andy fights, which is like he, like you mentioned earlier, you know, try to kind of be this boxer, trying to make things look perfect, um, try to have the perfect timing, trying to be the you know the, the everything that he's really is just not him. I think it goes against him if he gets in with Ryan Garcia and he doesn't fight. Uh, an aggressive fight. I think because Ryan lets his hands go out of instinct, out of youth, I think he beats Andy with the activity. Hmm. I think Andy loses the fight because of his inactivity, because he waits too long. He overthinks what he's going to do next, and he he loses the opportunity. I mean, he was winning this last fight, but Really, if he had somebody that was coming and let their hands go and did a bit more, and with the shots that he was getting caught with, it just makes me wonder, how many of those shots could he take from a, a, a Ryan Garcia? So I think at, at both of their level of their career, I actually think this is a, it would be a really good, interesting fight for both of them. We would find out if Ryan Garcia could handle a guy that's a little bit more seasoned and could take a punch, and then we'll find out whether whether or not Andy just overthinks it too much and just can't seem to snap out of that spell. Yeah. I, I you know, cause that, that De Leon fight, I mean, it's tough. Eric, Eric's a good fighter. He's craftier than he was given credit for, I think. And he also raised up to that level. Both those guys knew what that fight was about, but uh, yeah, I, I would like to see him kick it into another gear. Maybe Ryan's that guy. I mean, you know, uh, 
because Andy, I, I could see him following around, you know, maybe not as quick as Ryan, but you know, there's no substitute for technique. And I, I just, I'm not sold on Ryan Garcia. I think, you know, I don't either. know if he's a knockout waiting to happen, but there, I'm not sold on Andy and I'm lost. not sold on Ryan at all. You know, um, I, I think there's still, but I mean, if I, if I was a guy that was a betting man and was looking to put some money in stock, I would have to lean with Ryan because Ryan is still very young. He still can grow. He can still make these adjustments, these flaws that he has that are very open visually that we could see it. Um, I think that if the kid's smart enough and, and has the IQ that most are saying he does have, um, he'll, he'll, he'll fix those things. Where Andy, I sit back and I watch. When he fought De Leon, I sat there and I go, um, he doesn't know how to adjust to anything. You know, and um, I forgot, somebody tweeted to me, a coach. He said, um, yeah, unless he gets another trainer and maybe, maybe um, he could, you know, learn some new tricks. But I'm like, well, this is a new cha- trainer like you mentioned. Uh, this was what, their third, fourth fight together? Um, I think they're fourth, yeah. Yeah, you know, and a lot of times, it become, it, you know, people don't, I don't think people really get this, that you can overload too much information on a fighter where they become very confused. They're like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to be tonight. I don't know, you know, what, what style to bring out. So then they, what they try to do is they try to mess this style. They try to, you know, put it all together and make it this one style. And it, guess what? It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't really work that way. Yeah, I wonder. You know, it's, it's, uh, he seems very happy with the trainer and, and very comfortable. And really likes the things he's teaching him. And th- that's one of the things I really like about Andy is he's a very humble guy. And I've watched him really grow uh, as a fighter. He used to do things in, in, in you know, developing fighters, but he's always willing to learn and, and to admit, like, you know, I, like there was a fight that he had a, a kind of a bad performance in his, his mind. And he's like, I, I didn't cut the weight right. I didn't listen. I kind of screwed up the protocol. I got worried that I wasn't going to make the weight. And then I took off too much weight. You know, and so he, the next time around, he kind of bought more into the system, bought more into it. So I like that aspect of him. You know, an open mind to me, you know, look at Pacquiao. He's still kind of changing himself and, and altering uh, the, his approach as he gets older and gets, you know, he's a little bit slower or a little bit, uh, he's just as ripped. Uh, but, you know, he, he's he's still learning. And that's, to me, the mark of, of someone that could achieve something great. If I had to take a chance with Andy or Ryan right now with them in a, in a risky fight, I might go with Andy on that. I, like I said, I'm not sold on the kid yet. He gets right. way too excited about winning fights that he, he's supposed to win. Well, that, you know, whereas Andy, true. I think is, you know, uh, I think he knows that he's got room to grow, that he hasn't quite had that signature breakthrough win. Andy has a maturity of a fighter that we, we all love to see. Okay. Which is everything that you just mentioned right now. He can criticize himself. He can look at certain things and say, I need to do this. I need to do that. But there's a difference, though, is the maturity of what you're doing wrong. But there is also the maturity of being able to correct it at the at the at the drop of a dime. And that's the maturity I haven't seen from Andy. And he may never he may never able be able to do that, because, like I said, when you overload somebody with just too much information, it becomes confusing for the fighter because now they're flipping through the index to find out which card should I pull when it should be automatic. You know, a fighter should really only know two or three things. So they should be able to do in the ring, do very well. When you try to give them six to eight different things, that's when they start fumbling over themselves. And then you can really see it. And I saw that with Andy. 
Where Ryan, I see the things that, that he has the flaw because he, he does it over and over and over and over. So, I mean, to me, it's still a very interesting fight. I see you're leaning with Andy. I, I, I changed. I, I had told you earlier. I, yeah, I thought, yeah, Andy beats him. But now, just looking at it, I'm like, hmm, I wonder the maturity of Andy is going to be the cost of him losing a fight if he was to step in with Ryan Garcia because he waits and overthinks too much. And the youth will kick in and allow his hands to go, which he would score points. I don't think he could hurt Andy, but I definitely think he's going to put more leather on Andy, more, more telling, which the judges are going to like, rather than Andy doing it. Because with, with Ryan, the hand speed is evident. He's going to be quicker than Andy. So Andy's going to have to get in there. He's going to have to push him back. He's going to have to put him against those ropes. He's going to have to show the workmanship that he shows at the gym. It's going to have to be time in the ring. Anyways, uh, let's move on, man. What else do we have here? You're on mute. Uh, what do you think about uh, Teofimo Lopez? Everybody was very excited about him. Um, definitely still a prospect, uh, but he feels like within a year he's going to get a belt. Uh, and there's four belts, so that he's probably right. But uh, are you sold on him? Buy, sell. He's 10-0, eight knockouts, a lot of charisma. He does that backflip thing. He's keeping nice and active. He seems to have hurt his right hand in the last fight, but uh, he picked up the uh, World Boxing Council Continental America's lightweight title, um, and he feels that he is he is the the guy. He is you know the the takeover, as he says. Um, looking at that lightweight division, um, you know you got Mikey Garcia, Vasil Lomachenko, Lomachenko, uh, Robert Easter Jr., uh, Raimundo Beltran. Those are the champions. Um, and then, you know, it's a little bit of a mixed bag in there. Jorge Linares hanging around. Richard Comey, uh, who's a tough, tough out. Jose Pedraza, who's no walk in the park. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think you know, by the time this Comey, kid gets... Right. Fighting a, a, a Richard Comey, to me, okay, then that's, I think we're closer for a takeover. If he could blow him out in great fashion. Easter had a tough time with him. Who Easter's going to be fighting Mikey Garcia. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm old school just like your old school, uh, I need a little bit more. Before I jump on the train, I need just a little bit more. He's exciting. He's refreshing. Um, he, he says all the right things that fans want to hear, his dad as well. You know, um, but at the same time, uh, proof is in the pudding when you step into the ring. You know, when you're there to blow out guys you're supposed to blow out, absolutely, you know, um, the guys that are already on your train, they're going to say, this, this guy is the factor. He's the it factor. I think he has the look of it, and he's kind of showing he, he does with the record and his aggressive style. Um, but, but, you know, the, the higher, the, the ladder you go, the more difficult it becomes. You know, and I've always said this. Fighters that look great, when they start being questioned by their own fans or by any fans in media, uh, is when they start stepping up the tier and they start becoming to look more no- normal. I want to see a little bit more off of Lopez before I start saying, wow, this guy could be the real, real deal. Yeah, I mean, I thought he showed some interesting things, um, interesting footwork, darting in and out, not crazy about the low hands, not crazy about, you know, even though he banged the guy out of there, I think there's a difference between blowing a guy out like that, you know, just like getting a knockdown and, and then eventually the fight gets stopped and finishing a guy after you've put him down and there's time left in the round. 
I don't look at him as a real clean finisher yet. You know, uh, even like Pro Gray was dropping the dude with body shots, but I, I also felt he got clipped hard with a uh, with some right hands when he was trying to close, and he has a tendency to get squared up. And and Lopez, I I, I want to see him use his jab a lot more. You know, I, I'm like one of those people, like you say, I'm old school. They made this comparison. His dad believes that he fights like Bruce Lee. Um, (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) yeah, already like warning signs. Uh, Mm. And, you know, Bruce Lee is, it'll be like water. It's all about firmlessness. But to get to that place, it's sort of like um, Picasso talked about this as well. Is like, I didn't start breaking the rules until I'd finished mastering them. You know, I could draw a hand and it looked completely real. You know, I couldn't move to the next level. And Bruce Lee was a master of martial arts. He learned all these other forms and was a master of those things. And then that's when he jumped off and started exploring, making his own style and taking these pieces from everything else. And that's where his formlessness comes from. But he wasn't just freelancing to freelance early on in his fighting life. And I think people miss that when they try to make that comparison. They do it with Pacquiao, too. He likes to dart in and out and... You know, he's an Asian guy, so uh, and he fights out of the Southpaw stance. Oh, he must be just like Bruce Lee. Um, I think we got to hold those comparisons. And I got to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of the jumping in the air and, and jabbing move. Um, no. That may be good against guys you're supposed to beat, but uh, that's a great way to get knocked out, I think. It's a great and, way and, of, yeah, getting a flash, a flash knockdown, actually. You know, when your feet are not on the ground and you're up in the air and, you know, you get clipped – your back, your you know, your head and your back are are heading the other direction while your feet are going down, you know, south yeah, and north. Trust me, you're not going to land on your feet. You're fully committed too. That's actually you know one of the things in fighting is like you know when you do a feint and you get somebody to commit to a move and then you attack. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're in midair and you do it a few times, uh, like remember like um, Prince Eric Hamid, Morales, uh, Hamid. <laughs> oh Prince God, Hamid. or even <laughs> like. Um, Eric Morales had like a special move that he did. Uh, God, I forget the unhell something or other that he, he knocked out early on. And, and it was, it was on an undercard in Vegas. And I remember Larry Merchant said, you know, Mexican American fans are looking for a guy after Chavez. And, you know, this looks like the guy. Um, I have to look up. It's, I think it's Angel uh, Chacon uh, that he knocked out. And he did this great move where he kind of threw his right hand high up in the air and then came back with like an uppercut. It was oh, kind of I like, remember a, that. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was like a little decoy. And then yeah. throughout the rest of his career, I would see him every once in a while bust that move and it never quite worked again. And I just wonder about this move is like, is that, you know, this move didn't even seem that effective to me. It, it landed, but like how much power can it have if you're jumping up in the air and then like coming down? Like I, it just seemed like, I mean, it's, you know, it's fun for the audience. It's entertaining. It's something new. Uh, which I think is as always exciting for people, but I don't know about its you know efficiency. And I, I said this early on in his career. Uh, I think when he got extended for the first time, that he kind of looked a little like Jeff Lacey to me. If he can't bully you and get you out of there, the fundamentals, the kind of wide wide punches, uh, he kind of runs out of ideas. That could be a problem. This one, as the fight got extended, he seemed to go to new ideas, darting in and out, changing his footwork, and uh, it was more uh, of a dynamic performance. So, you know, he's you know, a prospect. I, right. He is a prospect. And what I liked, what I, what I did see of him, and I, I agree with you in everything, in every turn you're talking about this kid right now. Uh, what I did like is that the longer it went, the more comfortable and the more, more you could see he was having fun. There was, mm-hmm. there was this sense of like, 
I love what I'm doing. And to me, that's, that's what makes that's what makes up a really good fighter. When a guy that goes in there and truly loves his job, it becomes not a job. And you get better at that. You know, I've always told anybody that wants to learn how to fight or get in the ring, I always said, the, the, the one thing to master, the hardest thing to master is to be comfortable. It's the hardest thing to do. Just to be completely relaxed and comfortable in the ring. And when you see fighter, and he, he kind of had that. You know, but, but then again, you have to look at the opponent that he's facing that's across from him. You know, so there's, a level, there's levels to where he needs to go. And every level, we're going to see a little bit of whether he gets more comfortable and he starts using these moves. Because, like you said, you can't use these certain signature moves that, or that, that all the eye against some of the better guys. Some of the better guys, like Lomachenko, uh, uh, Mikey Garcia. Uh, these guys are high-profile professional fighters. They look for your timing. They look for your, your, your mistakes. They, 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 they flint at you so that they can see your reaction. So they know exactly what they're going to throw next. They know how to set up punches and traps. That's going to be the interesting part right now. He's still a prospect. Hopefully he continues to grow uh, because more like water they want him to. <laughs> but it's uh, for right now what they're saying, I still am not on that train. I want to see a bit more of Lopez before I say, okay, he's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, so like in the NFL, you know, a quarterback – can come out of nowhere and like all of a sudden blow past teams. But once they get a hold of that film and start to break you down and understand what your weaknesses are, you know, it's a different game and they can start game planning for you. And yeah, any of the high level guys that are looking at the flying punches, you know, it's like, uh, like the, the, the batter from uh, major league, Pedro Serrano, bring that shit to me, man. You know, they're, they're going to be looking to, to get inside of him and, uh, and, and, you know, like, yeah, let's see him leap in the air and then, you know, a, a, little, a little fade back and then uh, shoot forward and, and you got yourself a knockdown possibly. Uh, but, you know, really exciting guy. I, I don't, and I'm not trying to hate on him or, or slow down the train. Um, it, it's always exciting to see knockout artists. And like you said, it, it almost kind of reminded me, you know, and I wasn't the biggest Floyd fan in the world, um, obviously. I know it's not a shock. But when I covered him live, that moment before the fight starts and he puts his mouthpiece in that first bell, you could see that all the other places I've always said that Floyd is kind of an awkward guy. It's weird in interviews and, and, and kind of almost like Trump, but kind of rambles and says things that are just kooky. Um, but all of that goes away when you see him in the ring and he puts the mouthpiece in, he's at his office and he loves what he does and he's great at what he does. And it's however you feel about his style or, or whatever, uh, that's a beautiful thing to, to see, and, and Lopez certainly has that. Uh, you know, hopefully he stays thing, exciting. You know, the same thing with 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 all great fighters. You just can't be good at one aspect, which is the fight game. You got to be good at looking at the right opponents, looking at the time to face this, to face an opponent. Um, you got to look at the advantages that that you have over them, the advantages they have over you. There's a lot that goes into being a prize fighter. People think that it's, oh, lace-up gloves, and if you can take a good shot and you got a good punch, you got a, you got a great way of becoming to, to get far, far in the sport. It's, no, it's not like that. There, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of dots to connect to get your fighter or to get yourself up in the rankings. 
you know, and uh, Lopez is obviously learning the key thing is to be exciting and to say the right things. Have the charisma to connect with your fans. Have the charisma to connect with your fans through your punches. Have the charisma of, of having some type of signature punch that's a little bit off, awkward and off from a real fight fan, but to other fans where they go like, whoa, I've never seen this bit done in boxing. This is something different. Let me look into it. So all those things could be a good positive thing, you know, but he still has other, other dots to connect, and that is to overcome the bigger and more experienced obstacles that are ahead of him. Anyways, what else do we have here on our list here on Leaving the Room? Well, uh, we, got, uh, we got Regis Progray. Who I, you know, I like him. Uh, I watched the fight again today. I, I think the kid takes some time uh, to get into the fight, but I love the way he invests to the body, stays with the body attack. Uh, once he finds your weakness, you know, I, I think he is a good finisher, not so much in the moment where he has you hurt, but uh, in that he just keeps the pressure on you, keeps pushing, keeps just doesn't let you up. But um, I'll tell you who's the worst finisher is Lawrence Cole. My God, <laughs> what, 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 yeah. what was he looking for that he wasn't seeing? Uh, the guy tried to quit in his corner after, you know, getting knocked around, knocked down, clearly not going to win. Uh, corner's like no-go out there. He gets knocked down. He walks away shaking his head after spitting out the mouthpiece. I mean, might as well put on a, a sign that says, I'm good. I quit. Uh, got him back in there. Uh, it was just like. Why is Lawrence Cole here? They were, you know, <laughs> Lawrence Cole was looking for the Oliver McCall, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> replay. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I thought. He was waiting for some tears to come out and, and just a total breakdown from the fighter. It's sad that the fighter knows that he's beat and nobody else knows. He's the My only one goodness. that is looking for his own safety. He's like, I'm outgunned here. You know, uh, usually the fighter's the last one to know. Yeah. <laughs> and he was the first one to know. Oh yeah. You know, there was no question. He was I mean, that was the thing of this weekend. It was I was the Pacquiao uh Matisse fight I was excited about, but I, I just didn't feel that Matisse had much in the tank left. You know, he looked good, I guess, in his last fight. Kind of kinda of flat actually. Uh anyway, but he you know, he got the win, got the belt, which is like the best thing that could have happened to Pacquiao. Uh and kind of the worst thing for Matisse, he was probably thinking like, you know, uh, it would have been nice to get this fight when I was in my prime. Uh, but, you know, boxing politics and all kinds of things kept that from happening. Um, you know, so he gets it now. But, uh, you know, Velasco, the unheralded guy who had lost to, uh, you know, what's-his-face? Um, uh, I'm blanking on his name because I never was big on him. Uh, Don't worry. Nobody else remembers that either. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm actually <laughs> – I'm actually, I think, confusing my people. But, uh, you know, I mean, he was a, a legit dude. Actually, he was, yeah, undefeated coming into the fight. I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, and and uh, thinking of Teofimo Lopez's guy uh, had oh, that yeah, loss yeah. to, uh, mm-hmm. to uh, you know, the guy who wasn't Felix Trinidad and, and uh, will never will be. Um, Verdejo. But, yes. uh, yeah, Diamante Ver, Ver, Verdejo hum. Uh but, you know, th- and this guy was like unheralded guy. We don't know much about him. He's 31, uh, coming out of Argentina. Uh, you know, that's not a lot of flag, fights. Dude. But that was a red the, flag. It was like, hmm. It's not never heard of this other guy. Country, but, yeah, yeah, 31 years old and you're undefeated. Like, you know, um, probably not going to be that big challenge, you know. If it's a younger guy, maybe. But 
to me, it was a it was a foregone conclusion. I mean, you know, he he, he to his credit, every time they made him go back in there, the guy fought his ass off and tried to get things done. He just couldn't take it to the body anymore. Uh, but you know, this was a homecoming. And I think it was the right thing. Uh, they're building him up, trying to get uh, Pro Gray. Yeah, I, I don't know when the Ramirez fight's going to happen. He's is mandatory, and uh, Jose Ramirez has the uh, you know, has the belt and says that you know they're going to be fighting Antonio Orozco uh, pretty soon here. Uh, why oh, I have no idea. Well, yeah. I do have some idea. It's an easy out, um, but the guy doesn't make weight. I don't understand why you would want to risk yourself. You just went through it with the last guy that almost died making weight or trying to make weight. Now you're going to go to a guy that doesn't make weight two fights in a row, I think. Um, so like, w- what's that plan about? But uh, what do you think about Progray versus Ramirez? Do you, 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 who do you favor in that? I have to favor uh progress I, I i mean you know even with this last saturday fight um he went out there to to do his job uh he didn't he didn't wait he took with the opportunity that was in front of him he went after him uh, it was a shame that the guy you know he was the only one that i mean he was the very first one to raise his hand and said i i'm done this this is not this is not working for me this guy's really tough really rugged goes to the body very well um, he's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, you know, he's nonstop. He's not going to slow down a bit and whatever I'm throwing at him, um, it's not, not making him flinch. Uh, Ramirez to me is hurting himself by fighting guys that he's supposed to be now Brooke, uh, uh, with Regas. Yeah. I mean, could this fight hurt him in a way because he probably didn't get the full, the full, the full fill of going a little further and, and, and maybe even pushing himself to get a victory, more against a guy that was willing to really test him? Yeah, but when you have a guy that makes you quit, to me, Gable, and everyone that's listening, to me, that actually is, is a notch to your ego. The confidence build is there, and it also keeps you kind of humble and hungry, you know, because you didn't really get to finish the main course. You had to stop in between, and that main course is Jose Ramirez. And to me, when Jose Ramirez is still taking appetizers, I don't know how full this guy can get. I think with Regis, we kind of have, we can kind of have an idea of that he's willing to chew whatever's in front of him. And you look at both guys. One guy's got, they both got great stories, but one guy really fights behind his story. And that's Regis, in my opinion. As much as I like uh, Jose Ramirez, um, I like the kid too. Saw his billboard heading to uh, passing Fresno. I like the kid, um, but I think the matchmaking is not doing him any justice. We're not seeing. To me, um, he's a guy that's gotten a little bit more love than Andy Vince. To me, I think Jose Ramirez is what you get. I think he's topped his ceiling. I'm not really sure. I know a lot of folks are saying like, "Oh, you know, he's really smart. He did this and that." What I've seen of him so far, of course, he's going to outsmart those other guys. I want to see him with somebody that's actually going to pressure him second per minute. That's going to make him think a little bit quicker than the other guys he's faced. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, want to see him face uh, a puncher, dangerous guy, but you know, I, I think too, that, you know, Ramirez is a guy you, you're going to have to match make, uh, you know, correctly uh, to make good fights, but also winnable fights. And I think he does have a ceiling, but you know, they've developed him nicely and, and he's turned into this huge draw. Uh, so they're going to be careful with him, you know. That's that's uh, you know big time money, and you know top rank um, small company. 
Uh, I think in some ways they were reeling from the Pacquiao Mayweather for quite a while, living off the money, but not with mm-hmm. a you know a big draw. Besides that, I mean, you know, Crawford has developed into one, Lomachenko is developing into one, uh, but they're not pay-per-view guys, and that's where the, the promotions make their big windfall is the pay-per-views. You know, uh, there's a lot of lost leaders here, a lot of prospects they're developing. Um, so it's, it's I, I think you know they're going to hold out as long as they can. Uh, before making the pro-grade fight. Um, not that they're ducking, but it's just the business. The money isn't in winning the title. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it's a business. At the end of the day, you know, there's, there's a drawback when you do have a huge fan base and you're able to pull the numbers that other fighters that are average like you, um, that, that can affect you in terms of you don't fight the fights that really honestly that should make you. Where, where you get the genuine fans that are from around the world going like, wow, I want to see this guy. So they're going to fly in from any state to show up to see you. Um, you know, Jose has been kind of blessed. He was marketed correctly. He was marketed for, for at a spot that was kind of thirsty for, for a fighter. And also a fighter that was willing to fight for a cause that was just, you know, justly, you know, uh, that needed a, a voice behind, right? So all of that is great. But at the end of the day, the bill needs to be paid by fighting the right fights eventually. And I think the eventually is going to come from Jose Ramirez. When he starts seeing that, you know, a guy like Regis is getting the praise that all fighters look for. Which is, man, this guy is the it factor. This guy is phenomenal. This guy, look what this guy can do. Blah, 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 blah. And then they start questioning Jose by going like, well, he's a great draw, but he's not somebody. I think Regis goes right through him. That's the sting to the ego of any fighter. And that's what I'm waiting for. Is when that sting finally comes. Because it happened to Canelo. The sting, the sting was there. It kept happening over and over. Gennady Golovkin's name keeps being brought up. And Canelo had the draw. He could have continued to fight the Lehman Smiths and the, and the Amir Khans if he wanted to. But the pride of the fighter came out. It was like, I'm done. I'm tired of hearing other guys say that this guy can beat me. Let me step into the ring. I'm waiting for that moment with Jose Ramirez. Where he finally tells his team, enough's enough. I want to fight the best. I want to fight these guys. The guys that are really going to test me to show my fans and other people, the naysayers, that I'm a great fighter. That's when I want to find out. Yeah. No, I, you know, that's what I want to find out. Hopefully we'll get there. You know, um, we're kind of in some ways like a, you know, a changing of the guard or a developing of, of that next guard, you know, uh, with these guys. And, and this is, this is it's sooner or later, we're going to have to have that, but, you know, pro grade goes into the, the world boxing super series. He's going to, you know, I think him and Josh Taylor are the two guys people are really looking at as um, possibly the class of that. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's going to be, real exciting to see who comes out of that. And we're going to find out who pro gray really is uh, as he goes to that world stage, you know, not just, I, I mean, this, this is a big, right. What's that? And I, I'm surprised that a lot of fight fans are surprised that, that Jose Ramirez didn't join that tournament. I'm like, why would you be surprised? Top rank never has never joined any type of tournament. Remember Abner Mars, when he got in um, into the Bantamweight tournament, uh, there was, a, uh, what was it, Nonito Dornier, right? He was with top rank at the time. And he didn't get into that, that tournament. Um, yeah, that's right, right? It was, it was Nonito with him, right, with top rank. Well, Nonito was trying to move to Golden Boy at that time, I believe. And then it was, it was Montiel that didn't go into the tournament at all. Am I crazy? It was. Yes, 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 yes. That's who it was. 
I remember I knew it was one of them. That's what it was. Yeah, it was they Montiel wanted to turn it out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Dave, and we've, so, we've I mean, forgotten more about boxing than we'll ever know. <laughs> I know. And I remember the response. I remember uh, um, um, the response of Top Rank was, was like, why would I want to put all my, you know, why would I want to uh, make money for other promoters when I could just do it with my, my own promotion group? I have enough fighters to keep my fighter busy. And that's, that was the, the part where fans didn't like because the promoter was actually talking, to be, uh, talking about being a promoter, which is keeping his fighter busy, you know, and doing it his way. Not not putting him elsewhere where he had to split the money, and that's where Top Rank has always been. Like it or not, Top Rank has been you know you could call it greedy or you could call it smart business. You you choose. Yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, I think it's you know it's it's the business, man. I mean, it's funny. I'm I'm I just uh, finishing up a, a biography of uh, John L. Sullivan called Strong Boy. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing that you know that phrase there's nothing new under the sun uh and you know it's like just all the different tropes you know of avoiding fighters like you know Neil sullivan's famous for saying i can beat i can lick any son of a bitch in the world uh the parenthetical there is that unless they're black because i'm not going to fight them not going to get a shot at the title um <laughs> so you know guys guys avoiding top challenges for years uh he wouldn't even get in and do like exhibition sparring uh, they tried to get him in with a, a fighter named Old Chocolate, who is a you know a black veteran, a guy that that probably you know could have beaten John L. Sullivan or certainly given him what four in there and give him a run for his money. But John L. wouldn't even get in and do like a three round, four round exhibition with him. Made a lot of excuses and pretended like he would and then didn't. And uh, one of the other tropes, which is funny, like leading into this Canelo thing, it just kept making me think of this Canelo Triple G rematch. Um, is that there was like three guys that that. Uh, that Sullivan fought and he, you know, he ultimately lost to John uh, or uh, James J. Corbett. Uh, you know, he lost his title, uh, like a 21 round bout, but all three of them had the, the kind of, uh, you know, the, the mover, uh, you know, boxing and moving. That was like the beginnings of that with them. And it always, you know, bothered Sullivan. It was more like a, sounds almost like he was a James Kirkland type. Just go out there, go broke and, or like a Tyson and just overwhelm you and knock you out. And these guys wouldn't stand still and let him do that. And he would yell, you know, fight like a real man. And oh, the guy ran all night. And it's like the same old complaints, you know, back in the late 1800s that we hear now Triple G uh, and his people saying about Canelo. Uh, you know, and I was watching rounds of that fight last night. Uh, and uh, I got to say, you know, for a guy that was supposedly running a lot, Canelo was on the ropes a lot. Wasn't really running. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I digress. He, he uh, walked himself back. And he found something. Um, we'll see uh, from that rematch here. <laughs> no, we still got uh, we got to wrap up pretty soon here. But uh, Pacquiao, Petite. Uh You know, Lucas. I said this on Twitter. Uh, I said this on previous shows. Uh, Taylor made for Manny Pacquiao. This mm-hmm. was the this was going to be the sell for Manny to continue on for the Manny fans. This was really a fight for the Manny Pacquiao fans. This was really. The sell for Manny Pacquiao fans to buy into the ESPN Plus. He has very loyal fans. Let's not forget. Very loyal fans in the States, in the Philippines. And they got something that they all been wanting to see for the last nine years. Is Manny knocked somebody out. And, you know, Lucas Matisse looked to me like a guy that was trying to look like a welterweight. But just didn't have it. You know, um, we've seen Manny fight smaller guys. But they were cut, they were lean, and they didn't try to make the 147 limit. 
Marquez was one of them. Didn't try to make those limits. Uh, but with, with Lucas, was it me? Or did it look like he was trying to add a couple of burgers to his, uh, to his menu to make the 147 limit? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't look good at the weigh-in, you know? You know, you can tell, like, if a guy, like, you know, it, it dehydrates, cuts weight, uh, he, he looks a little more ripped. And I, I didn't, I was like, ooh, this guy doesn't look, he didn't look out of shape, but he just looked like an older fighter. You know, like, this is the shape I can get to. You know, and even in Pacquiao, the comeback. 146, I mean, they, they say you can eat breakfast and, and make the weight comfortably. I think, you know, welterweight is his natural weight. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't like to do the eye test. I'm not a big fan of it, you know, but th- there's a simple fact in, th- in this. Uh, there is somebody disputing this, but um, for, you know, Vada didn't handle the Jeff Horn fight, which I thought this was the first fight Pacquiao hadn't done Vada testing. And then I went back and was like, oh, yeah, uh, last year there was some question about who was handling the drug testing and was it going to be Vada or Vada or, but no, Vada didn't. I checked with them, uh, double checked with them today. Um, I, it was my mistake. I thought what they were saying was that they had, um, but they didn't do testing for the Jeff Horn fight and Pac didn't do extra, you know, third party testing uh, for this fight. Now there's Robert Morales, who I respect greatly. Uh, he says that according to Eric Gomez, uh, WADA handled testing for this Matisse fight. Now the problem with that is that WADA doesn't do testing. They I have. Know, I was going to say that they have water accredited labs that maybe you could use, but you know, to use those labs, you still need a protocol. You still need like what kind of testing you're going to do, and and we don't know how many weeks did they do testing. Did they just do pre and post fight testing? You know, was it just urinalysis? Did they take blood? I know Manny doesn't is not you know a big fan of it, even though he's done vada testing over the years. Um, and and why 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 suddenly is he not doing testing? Now that he's in Australia, I checked this with Vada, and I already knew this to be a fact, but uh, because they've done Pacquiao fights in Macau, and when they caught uh, you know Brandon Rios with DMAA and it's just some uh, stimulants, um, uh, they do testing all over the world. They're completely capable of it. USADA isn't. USADA is the United States Anti-Doping Agency. They'd have to job out, but Vada can go worldwide. So why didn't Pacquiao do this? Why didn't any boxing scribes catch it? Uh, why don't they seem to care? Um, interesting questions. I mean, you know, people like Robert Morales reached out and, and tried to find out from, you know, uh, from, from Golden Boy, but uh, curious. And, you know, it's tail weird. End of his it's, career. I, I, you know, I, I can years ask old. you. Yeah. Tail end of his career. Most, most media with most fans uh, think that this is the end. Um, I, I actually even had, you know, uh, listeners that write in to leave the ring say that, you know, Matisse is going to knock him out. He didn't look good. And I was like, huh, I don't know what I'm watching then. You know, uh, my, my eyes are getting old. I'm getting up there. But testing or no testing, I think we we're going to have the end result with Lucas Matisse getting stopped. And that's exactly what we got. We saw a guy that really didn't belong in there, um, was trying to get a jab going, um, was always two, three steps behind the reaction of Manny Pacquiao, who whose response was really was really well. I mean, his response with a horn when he decided to uh, counterpunch, he was on point. You know, as many wars as Manny's been in, his speed hasn't hasn't deteriorated as much as a lot of us think it should. It has. Um, his punching power is still there. He's never had that explosive 
One punch power has been more of a nagging punching power to stop his opponent. Um, his footwork did slow down a bit, but I think Manny still gets fits to anybody that steps into the ring. Lucas Matisse, to me, was a knockout reel to sell to the fans out there that he still has one fight left. I personally think that Manny needs to ride into the sunset with this fight. Be remembered by stopping Lucas Matisse. Don't be remembered by getting beat up by by a younger Terrence Crawford or even possibly uh, Lomachenko. I think the route's going to go with Lomachenko, though, uh, Gabriel. I, and I'll tell you why. Because Lomo's been dropped. Uh, Lomo did show that he is human and he can make mistakes. And Manny still shows that he's got some speed and he's got power. He's got power enough to possibly drop Lomachenko. I just don't know if he's got the activity to to consistently change with Lomo's style, who we've seen, who can adjust to certain things and take it away from you. You know, Lomo's become a Floyd Mayweather. If you only have an A plan, you don't got a B plan, he's going to overcome that A plan and figure it out. So that, to me, is the more interesting factor, and it's a more sellable fight in terms of fans would argue whether or not Manny Pacquiao could win a fight against Lomachenko. Well, Lomachenko's people say that they don't, he's not coming down, or he's not going above 140. And I don't, I don't know if Manny, him. yeah, I wouldn't either uh, if I was him. Uh, I just think it would be a step too far. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, uh, Doug Fisher broke it down in his, his uh, mailbag. He tends to think that, you know, he's not uh, co-signing the, the, the bout, but tends to think that maybe uh, Mayweather 2 Catch would be the best option. I think Mayweather 2 would be the best option. If anything, if, they, if, if he doesn't want to come down to 140 for Lomachenko, which I, I, Manny Pacquiao is going to probably still try to use his star problem, especially with the, with the K over uh, Lucas Matisse. Um, if anything, they might, they, you know, they may talk about a catchweight. Hmm. So that could be a strong possibility if the Floyd Mayweather doesn't come into fruition. That's an opportunity. Terrence Crawford... I don't think Manny wants anything to do with him. I just don't see that happening. You know, I don't think Manny thinks, well, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not ready to pass that torch. I still got some fight in me. He said that. I still, I still love boxing. I'm, I still, you know, got fight in me. Um, so I think he's going to choose the better routes, which would be a lot of money against Floyd or, or going in with a, uh, to me, what he would see and view as a more winnable fight, uh, a possible win over a Lomachenko. Yeah, I mean, I, that'd be an interesting fight. I just, I just wonder about the, you know, about the weight. If they'll do a catch weight, maybe that's where they're, you know, they're already kind of gaming in the press. Uh, Terrence Crawford talks. fight. You know, uh, I, I think Top Rank would like to pass the torch to one of their two guys. I think I just, so too. Know, Crawford, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if Manny was like, eh, I don't know about, I don't know about that matchup for me. You know, uh, but you know, th- this is the thing. I've had a few people kind of go at me and like say, you know, one guy was saying, oh, you know, well, you defended Canelo for like a month and, you know, he he tested positive twice. And now, you know, you're saying off of this KO, Manny's first KO in like nine years um, that uh, he's he's juicing. And that's not what I said. What I pointed out was what the boxing media didn't point out. Uh, I'm not an active beat writer. Uh, you know, I call my sources 
here and there, uh, but I do it, you know, uh, because I want to and, and want to stay abreast of the subject because no one else really does consistently. They reactive. I've always I've said this since, you know, 2010. Uh, the boxing media is reactive. They're not proactive. They're not activist journalists. They're not advocating for change in the sport. They're just happy to get their next access. They want to get on camera. They want to, you know, uh, be that guy. They, what they don't want to do is be the unpopular guy. Uh, I want that a, a, a media person, an on-camera guy. Everybody knows, say, I don't want to be you. I want, I want access. I want to be able to get the interviews that I want to get and not piss people off. You know, and that's totally fine. But that's actually not the job. The job is pointing out the facts and then finding out why, you know. Mm. And so many guys have talked about, you know, Congressman Pacquiao, Senator Pacquiao. They, they want to, you know, talk about it as this kind of colorful thing. But Pacquiao shouted out President Duterte. Uh, he supports him. And that guy is committing crimes against humanity in, in his country. He's got a drug war where he's, he's uh, people are alleging he's taking on political opponents in it. But he's certainly, you know, he's killing innocent people. They're not getting due process. There's just death squads out there killing people in a supposed war on drugs. And Pacquiao endorsed that. Duterte was there and he thanked him and, oh, my president and this, that and the other thing. And, you know, you can't parse it out when a guy wears his politics on his sleeve, uh, you know, and, and uh, Pacquiao has made some controversial uh, statements in the past, uh, you know, brought his religion into the arena. That is fair game. And no one ever talks to him about that. Maybe they don't know enough about geopolitics. Maybe they don't care. Uh, but I think all that stuff's fair game. But certainly, why did you stop testing all of a sudden? Now that you're in that you know, training only in the Philippines. You know, exactly. what, what's going only on? in the Philippines. <laughs> we talked and about that. You know, yeah. And it's selective outrage, dude. I mean, pa- Marquez knocked Pacquiao out at 39. And everybody went, oh my God, look at his body. How come nobody's talking about Manny's body? Super ripped at 39. Gets a knockout first in nine years. Now, granted, it was good matchmaking, which is, you know, what we kind of said about Manny's initial run from 35 to De La Hoya. Good matchmaking. Caught guys at the right time. They'd been stopped before or coming down in weight. Like, it's all great matchmaking, which is what Top Rank does. Uh, I'm not saying Manny's is juicing. I've made this argument for a long time. There's no smoking gun there. Uh, There's a lot of innuendo, a lot of stories, even stuff I haven't, uh, you know, fully vetted and, and been able to print. Uh, maybe I will at some point, but, there's but the old you know, saying. There's, there's the old saying, you can't walk through the door until you start knocking. Right. So that's where, it, it's, it at. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. And, you know, ask the questions, find out, stop worrying mm-hmm. about access and just do your freaking job. That's how I say that's it. it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're at the end of our show here, man. Um, I want to thank everybody that tunes in, as always, and uh, contributes to our Patreon. Uh, don't give up on us. I know we've been on a little hideous here and there, but we're trying our best to be back on every Monday. We should be back on. We will be back on Monday uh, next week here on Leave Your Ring. And we're working on some guests. I know we haven't brought any new guests here on the show. We've just been a bit busy. I was on vacation. Uh, we're working Joe's. Was, uh, Work, yeah, you know, working Joe's, man, just like you guys and stuff. So, But you can still contact us here on Twitter, on Facebook, on anything. You can hit us up at Leaving the Ring at Gmail. Uh, don't forget, you can call in, 347-215-7598, excuse me, uh, here on Leaving the Ring. So we'll see you guys next week here on Leaving the Ring at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Mr. Montoya, I'll talk to you soon. Everybody, enjoy the weekend. Don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. Peace. <laughs>